Welcome back. We are in Genesis chapter 36. Let's go, Genesis 36. Now, this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Edom took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, Abolabama, the daughter of Enna. You're going to have to excuse me for enunciations. It's uh, very difficult. Uh, definitely not uh, normal names in our uh, culture. The daughter of Zibion, the Hivite, and Basimash. Basimath, Israel's daughter, sister of, of Nebojath. Now Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basimath bore Raul, Reuel, and Ahalabama bore Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. All right, bear with the genealogy. Chapter 36 is just a bunch of uh, genealogy, but we can extract things and learn from them, right? There's lessons in every verse and chapter of the Bible. Every chapter of the Bible, including the Old Testament, points to Jesus. All right, so let's go and see what's going on here. So we're looking at the genealogy of Esau. Who is Esau? Of course, that's the brother of Jacob. We've been following Jacob for many chapters now. Jacob took the birthright from Esau. Esau wanted to kill Jacob, and uh, then they kind of worked it out, at least to some degree. They buried their dad together. They were able to talk together without you know, wanting to take each other down. And Esau becomes the father of the Edomites. So it says, who is Edom? E-D-O-M. He becomes the father of the Edomites. Now, where is Edom? It's still there. It's southeast of the Dead Sea in Israel. It's a mountainous uh, place. And the capital city is the rock city of Petra. Now, Petra, that rock city was made famous by the Indiana Jones movie that was partly filmed there. So, the, this, But this is also a place where tons of Jewish people during the tribulation will seek refuge during the tribulation. And you can go and listen to the study in Revelation to learn more about that. But you've got this awesome city, very fortified, tiny entrance into it, great place to hide. And many of the Jewish people are kept safe and protected there from essentially Satan's armies. Uh, during the tribulation. And so we move on and we see that Esau is taking multiple wives uh, from the daughters of Canaan. We've already learned about this earlier in Genesis. Uh, we're getting some kind of refresher. We know he's married to multiple women and that, that is not God's best. Around the world today, still there are many cultures where people will marry multiple women. Sometimes they do it above board like everybody knows and sometimes it's beneath the surface. It's like I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to pretend that I'm only married to one, but I've also already got I've also got these, you know, this other family or these two or three other families. And it happens a lot. We'll see it in um some Islamic cultures, we'll see it in some uh, Mormon uh, circles. This is not what God has for us. Yes, we see it in the Bible, but not as an example of something that we should do, but something that we that we ought not to do. God tells us to be equally yoked. If you are following Christ, you should only marry someone who also is following Christ, who puts Jesus first and foremost above everyone, everything, including themselves, including their family, including everything. Because if you have that love for Jesus, it will filter down. It will pour over and you'll be able to have that love for other people and your spouse, especially when you get in those heated moments of arguments and disagreements, etc. And just growing as we all grow as we get older, but instead of growing apart, you grow together because you, you take those obstacles and Satan wants you to see the obstacle and the problem and Jesus wants you to see the opportunity and, and room for growth and room to uh, get renewed. So here we see him marry multiple women. Uh, God said, don't take 
wives of the Canaanites. Remember the land of Canaan, good, call that the promised land. The people of Canaan, the Canaanites, bad, evil, uh, not following God. Could they have come to God? Did some of them come to God? Yeah. How do we know anybody can come to God? Because the offer for salvation is universal. Jesus died with his arms open on the cross as symbolic, as a sign of saying, I'm here, right? He, it, the offer is universal. It says he wants that none shall perish. He wants that all should come to repentance. Um, but not all do. And so we've got some names going on here. Uh, she, this, uh, let me get her name, Abolabama. Uh, pardon the enunciation, but she was a priestess of the temple of the high place for pagans. Not Jesus followers, not God followers, but for pagans, which means, what does this mean? It means she was a prostitute for people thinking they were doing a favor for God, obviously a false God, yes. They would have these temples. They would go up there and they would have prostitutes. They would call them priestesses and people would go up there and, you know, have relations with the prostitutes and they would think that they were honoring the gods, right? You could see where... Satan would have a field day with that. Everybody's like, yeah, I want that. And God's like, no, that's exactly what I don't want. I don't want uh, you know, a temple to be dishonored. I don't want them to, to steal that name. I don't want relations out of marriage. That's adultery. I don't want any of this stuff. So it's the opposite of what God wants. And it was happening long ago, and it still happens today. And we see this name, uh, Beishamaths. I'm just going to read what John Corson wrote. I think he said it really well right here. John Corson said, now Esau has two Beishamaths. So we see him change the original Beishamath's name in Genesis 28.9 to Mahalath. Mahalath literally, mean, literally means sickness. Why would Esau name her this? Because he's getting ready to take a third wife. The flesh still does the same thing today. Evidence whenever someone says, I'm going to brand my spouse as one who makes me sick, who is incompatible, who is emotionally abusive, so I can move on to someone else. All right, so that's what John Corson says. I love that commentary on this. So he's got multiple wives. He shouldn't have done that. He took women from the land of, uh, uh, from the Canaanites. He should not have done that. And that's going to cause problems. All right, and we got verse 6. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters. So he's packing them all up, and all the persons of his household, his cattle and all his animals, and all his goods, goods which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob. So what do we get out of that verse? He took all his stuff, right? It'd be like you going to the, end of the bank and taking all your money out. You going, having a moving truck, come and pack all your stuff in your truck. And then you get in your SUV with your family and you head on down the road. He's packing up everything. Now he had a lot of stuff to pack. How do we know that? Because God just described it to us in this love letter that we call the Bible. And he had made a lot of money. And you're looking at that saying, wait a minute. I thought Esau wanted to call, kill Jacob. He's doing something that God said not to do. He's taken wives from the, land, from the Canaanites. He married multiple people, which God said not to do. So why is he blessed with all this stuff? Why does he have all this stuff? Well, that's one thing for all of us to think about. There are lots of people who have lots of money who don't know Jesus. And there are some people with lots of money who do know Jesus. And there are some people without money who don't know Jesus. And there are lots of people with lot, without money who are poor, etc., from a worldly standpoint, who do have Jesus. The prosperity gospel is wrong. Anybody who says, 
If you are not wealthy, then you are not blessed and you are not a follower of Jesus. If you become a follower of Jesus, then you'll be wealthy. No, nothing could be further from the truth than the Bible. Nothing could be further from the truth. Some people who follow Jesus will have wealth and some will not. They will lack wealth in this world, but they are still eternally wealthy. And for the 70, 80, 100, or 30 years that they're on this earth, they may be without wealth. They may be downright poor in poverty. But it's only those few decades, and then they'll be eternally wealthy, and God will bless them forever in his presence. And so that's what we want to hold on to. We want to share our wealth. We want to give away our wealth. We want to love on people, use our money to help people learn about Jesus. Not just to get our, not to get, not at all, to get our name on a building or our name in a program or anything. There may be a little place for that if you're advertising your business or, or something. But if you give money and you're wanting to grow Christ, don't say, put my name on a building. If they say, we want to put your name on a building, say, no, don't do it. Honor Jesus, not me. I don't want to be honored. All right? So we want to work hard. God calls us to be good workers. We don't want to have a lot of downtime because we know that downtime is the devil's time. If you look around and see people who are making bad decisions, a lot of time is because they have way too much free time on their hands. Maybe they don't have a job or a family or something. And yeah, what are you going to do if you have a lot of downtime? You're probably going to partake in things that are not godly. And... <clears throat> Um, so, but it's, it's important for us to think about that just, and it's frustrating to look around and say, how does that person who lies, steals, cheats, or maybe they don't lie, steal, and cheat. They're actually, you know, kind of moral-ish people, but they don't know Jesus. How do they have all this wealth and success and career and job and company and all this stuff? And I don't. Well, that's just this world that we live in. God didn't intend for us to all be fabulously wealthy or fabulously broke. We're in a lost and dying world, and that means that there's going to people be without money. There's going to be people who abuse money, people who keep all their money for themselves and don't share it, don't give it to God, all that stuff. So we know what Satan wants. Satan wants for uh, people to hurt, and he wants for people to be without money so that they can be hurt and hate God, and he wants people to be so other people to be with money so that they can have so much financial security that they don't think they need God, that they have so much money that they're not able to go and witness to other people about Jesus because they're going to be afraid of losing their wealth, that they have so much money that they're going to have to have be fortified with security guards and high fences and lots of property to keep people out, and then they're not going to be able to share the, share the gospel with anybody or hear about the gospel because they're not going to let anybody close to them. So you see how that goes? So God calls us to work hard, to honor God with our money, to honor God with everything that we do. And um, I'll finish up here in uh, verse 7 and 8. So 7 says, For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together, and the land where, where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. So despite all their life circumstances, their theft, their de- deception, both Esau and Jacob, remember Jacob deceived and essentially stole from Esau, and Esau wanted to kill Jacob. They kind of made up, Um, but they both ended up being wealthy. And then it says, and it says, could not support them both. Well, we talked about wealth dividing people just now, but this is like Abraham and Lot, remember? Lot came to him and was like, we got too much, we got to go our separate ways. Same thing's happening here. If you have too much, there's a good chance it's going to divide you amongst other people. And we see this happen all the time. 
one of my jobs, I, well, in particular, I see a lot of families split up over money and they don't talk to each other. They hate each other. One has a little bit more than the other. They think they deserved more or whatever the circumstance is, but money can be a great divider in a negative way. Verse 8, so Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. Esau, Esau is Edom. So if we look at Genesis twenty-five twenty-three, which says, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So this is talking about Rebekah, uh, Isaac and Rebekah having twins, Esau and Jacob, and that Esau, the older one, would serve Jacob, the younger one, but the, that there would be uh, two nations. And here we're seeing this. This is Esau who becomes the father of the nation, uh, the, uh, the father of the Edomites. So tomorrow we'll pick up in verse 9. The application is to understand that Satan wants us to focus on wealth and what we're lacking or what we're doing wrong or that someone de- you know, doesn't deserve it and we do. It's not about deserving. It's about just placing our faith in Jesus and whatever God chooses to bless us with. Maybe that's plenty and maybe that's nothing or even less than nothing. May we still honor him where he plants us working hard and uh, loving on those around us. Lord, help us to love you. Help us not to think that we are above or beneath anybody, not to covet or to be prideful towards other people. Help us not to put financial walls around ourselves where we're afraid of losing our wealth, jeopardizing our wealth, jeopardizing our status, our social status, our financial status. Lord, help us to be bold in proclaiming the truth because we only have a minute to do it. Maybe that minute is 100 years or 80 years or 20 years. But Lord, kind of like we see someone and we're like, ah, it's been a minute, but it seems like yesterday. It's going to be gone quick. And uh, so help us to make the most of our time, not to covet, not to be prideful, Lord, but to share our wealth, our blessings, our time, and our knowledge about you, Jesus, Lord. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.